The sermon is titled, Who Do You Say Jesus Is? It's taken from our gospel reading, which we just heard from Matthew. Then, brothers and sisters, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you look throughout the Gospel of Matthew, you'll see that the central focus, the theme of the entire Gospel of Matthew, centers around the focus of Jesus bringing about the end times rule and reign of God through the kingdom of heaven. And that this has come in the person and the ministry of Jesus. And throughout the Gospel of Matthew, we see this throughout his various preaching and his teaching. You you think of in the Gospel of Matthew, the major sermon that Jesus does, the Sermon on the Mount, where he sits down amongst the disciples and the crowds, and he sits down and teaches. You see this in his authority over sicknesses and diseases and illnesses as he heals everyone who comes to him. You see this in the authority that Jesus has over things that are natural, like the storms, and even supernatural, like the demons, and even Satan himself. Even John the Baptist, at the beginning of this gospel in Matthew chapter 3, where he's standing out in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven has come. And so in our gospel reading for this morning, Jesus uses this as an ample teaching moment for the disciples to help them come to a better understanding of what this kingdom of heaven is all about. And this is the climax point of the first half of Matthew's gospel here. Because after this gospel reading for today, we see that Jesus turns his eyes towards the higher purpose that God has sent him into the world for. He turns his eyes on Jerusalem, the purpose for why he came to usher in the end times rule and reign of God in and through the kingdom of heaven. And yet Jesus first addresses his disciples with a question, a very pertinent and important question. He, he goes to the disciples and he says, who do, you, do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Because obviously many people had many questions about who this random man who came down from Nazareth of Galilee, who he was. And so the disciples start piping up and, and say, well, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some even say, well, you're John the Baptist, your cousin. Or one of the other prophets that came before you. And you have to understand in in Israel's history, uh, especially when they looked in light of the Old Testament, especially like Deuteronomy and the prophet Malachi, uh, many of the Israelites believed that God would be sending some sort of messenger, some great messenger who would come and bring in the ushering of God's kingdom of heaven. You know, if we were to pull a crowd today with the same question, you know, who do people say that Jesus is, we might get a lot of the same similar answers. Uh, First and foremost, a lot of people would probably say, well, from the stories I've heard, you know, Jesus seems to be kind of a master of tricks. He he heals people. He does these crazy miracles, uh, outstanding miracles that can't be explained. A lot of people might say, well, Jesus is a wise theologian. He's a good teacher. 
You know, he's another good spiritual guide. You think along the lines of like Buddha or the Dalai Lama. You know, someone that can kind of help us along our spiritual path. You know, he's another good person to, to follow. Some people might say, well, the things that he taught, you know, he gave us a good example to follow morally. How we ought to live, act, talk around other people. You know, he gives us a good life example to follow. Some people might say along the lines, he's a good friend, a good luck charm. You know, he's there when I need him most. You know, if something's going wrong in my life, you know, I know he's going to be there. I can call upon him. Some might say, well, he's just a martyr for his teachings. You know, he was a good teacher, but, uh, you know, and a good speaker, but a lot of the things that he said riled up the establishment, riled up the religious leaders, and because of it, he got executed. So he's just a martyr for his teaching. In the case of Islam, they still say today that he was just another prophet. That he was one that was kind of a, a forebearer, one who came before the one prophet, Muhammad. You know, he's still a prophet of Allah, but he's not the prophet. And sure enough, he's not anything less or more. And even today, in today's context, a lot of people look at Jesus and see him as a good example, as a progressive revolutionary, as someone who bucked the system. And someone who challenged the establishment. And so Jesus hears all of these examples and he hears all the things that the disciples list off. You know, you're a prophet, you're John the Baptist. And Jesus is probably standing there and he's like, hmm, you know, that's all interesting and good, but who do you say that I am? And you have to look at the original Greek and. It, Matthew's gospel, there's an emphasis. It's not just, who do you say that? He says, but you, you, disciples, not everyone else in the crowds, not everyone else in the region, you, who do you say that I am? You know, these simple men, this tax collector, these fishermen, these disciples of Jesus, they had undoubtedly witnessed a lot you know, we're kind of at the one, one to two year point in Jesus' ministry and teaching the disciples. They've witnessed a lot. The, the many miracles, the healings, the teaching and the preaching that they heard from him. And just a couple chapters ago, they saw him walk out on the water, save Peter from drowning and calm the storm. You know, they get even to the point several occasions here in this first half of Matthew's gospel where they proclaim, you're the son of man, you're, this must be the son of God. And yet Jesus addresses them in this passage here this morning, and he asks them this question about who they think he is. Why? As I was looking at this passage and thinking about possible reasons why Jesus would bring this question up with them, two possible answers might have come up. First, he might have asked them this question to prepare them for what was to come in his ministry. Remember, I said after this passage, and we'll hear next week in Matthew's Gospel reading, that he sets his eyes on Jerusalem, and he begins to foretell, to tell about his death, what's going to happen to him. You know, the Son of Man is going to be handed over to sinful men, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be put to death, and then rise again three days later. 
So in a sense, maybe he's, he's asking this question to prepare them for what's to come. Uh, maybe another possible reason why Jesus asked them this question is that you look to the very end of this gospel. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus knows who these men are and the higher purpose that he's going to have for them. As he sends them out into the world to proclaim the gospel, to go out into all nations, baptizing, teaching, everything that he had commanded them. You know, he wanted to make sure and see if they were at a point in their time with him, if they knew, if they even comprehended and understood who they'd been witnessing, who they'd been encountering and experiencing over the last one to two years. And so he asked the question, you know, who do you say that I am? And of course, it's always bold Peter. At this point in the Gospel of Matthew, it almost seems like Peter is a representative of the 12 disciples. Bold Peter, you know, just a couple chapters ago, like I said, he was the one that got out of the boat. He said, Jesus, if it's you, let me come out. He does. And it's the same thing here. Bold Peter steps forward, and as soon as he hears that question, he says, well, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. In a sense, Jesus, you're Israel's Savior. You're Israel's Messiah. Now, whether or not Peter didn't fully understand that, as we'll see kind of a foreshadowing of our gospel reading next week, he doesn't really completely understand what Jesus means by him being the Messiah, but he still proclaims, you're Israel's Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the Savior, long promised to come into the world. As I mentioned before, many during this time in Jesus' earthly ministry would have thought differently about him. Many would have said he was just a healer. He was someone that they could bring their loved ones, their spouses, their children, their brothers and sisters, someone that they could bring to Jesus and know that Jesus had the power to heal them. Many just saw him as a good rabbi and teacher. You think of the many religious leaders, the teachers of the law, people that would come to him and ask him to interpret the law, the teaching, the Old Testament scriptures. And then many within the religious community, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and the elders, simply just kind of viewed him as another rebel rouser, a headache, a nuisance, someone that they have to get rid of. And yet Peter ignores all that, and he makes this bold confession this morning in our gospel reading. He says, no, you, you are the Christ. Everything that he had seen leading up to this very point, this climax point of the first half of Matthew's gospel, everything that he had witnessed and encountered and experienced caused him to proclaim, you are Israel's Messiah. You are Israel's Savior. The Son of the living God, even. You know, no one had informed Peter of this confession, this coming to this reality. You know, Jesus says himself, you know, no one's revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father, God, had revealed this to him. Through everything that Peter had encountered and witnessed and seen and heard. So this morning, what about you? Who do you say that Jesus is? 
Is he merely one of the things that we talked about earlier? You know, a good teacher, a healer, a martyr, just another good moral and spiritual example and guide for us to follow and to kind of put in our back pocket with everything else? Is he a good friend? Or is he merely just another human being? Or a combination of any of those? You know, the world around us today tries to convince us just of that, that Jesus was just another human being. Another good example that was in a a certain part of human history, just a small blurb of history, that we can look back in the history books and, and look at and say, hey, you know, he lived a good life, he taught a lot of good things, you know, he can kind of help and guide us in how to live a better life. A, a lot of historians will say as well that Jesus didn't even exist. They're not even certain whether Jesus was a real person. But what about you? What do you say who do you say that Jesus is? Is Jesus just another man? Or is he someone much more than that? Is he much greater than any of those things? Brothers and sisters, you've encountered and experienced the same Jesus that Peter and the disciples did as they walked this earth with him. You know, through Jesus' continuing working in your life, you continue to encounter and experience the reality as Jesus, the Messiah, and and, and that God has revealed this to you through faith, through the waters of baptism, uh, through your faith that God has revealed to you by his Spirit. He's given you the ability to encounter and experience and to realize that Jesus is indeed your Savior your Messiah, that he's so much more than just a good teacher, a healer, a miraculous worker, a good spiritual guide. He's so much more. He gives us the ability to boldly confess with Peter, with the other disciples, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You are the world's Savior, the world's Messiah. You know, Paul says it elsewhere in in his letter to the Romans, chapter 10. Paul says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. God still works in your life to experience this reality, to come to the understanding and know that you have encountered and experienced the true Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ. As you open the Word, as you hear it proclaimed, you're encountering and experiencing Jesus. As you hear the words of forgiveness over your sins and as you receive it in the body and blood of Christ Jesus, you are encountering and experiencing the world's Messiah, the Savior, your Christ. You continue to encounter and experience 
the miraculous working of Jesus. Jesus is still performing miracles in our lives, both physically and spiritually. We're still encountering the world's Savior. Most importantly, you're still encountering and experiencing Jesus as you go to him in prayer, and as he promises to listen and to hear you, to continue to be your Savior, who promises to never leave you and forsake you. And much more than that, in the same gospel, going back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, you're the salt, you're the light of the world. You who have encountered and experienced Jesus to be your Savior, the one who forgives you of all of your sins, he sends you out of these four walls into the world as salt and light, to salt the earth, to lighten this darkened world, to tell others that you have encountered and experienced Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, so that you can go out into the world as well and help others to encounter and experience that same Savior, that same Messiah, that same Christ, that same Jesus that you know so well, the same Jesus that you boldly confess and believe and trust. There's a lot of people in the world who don't know exactly who Jesus is, but God the Father has revealed to each and every one of you here that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's your Savior. He's your Messiah. My prayer for you today, tomorrow, and each and every day is that you would continue to encounter and experience Jesus as your Savior, your Christ, and that you would help others to know and encountering and experience that same Savior. In his name, amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in and through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord, our true Savior, our Messiah, until he comes again in glory and life eternal. Amen.